Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Good morning, Genesis. I'll be reading today from Genesis 22, verses 1 through 14. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a bird offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Greetings, everybody. Hey, recently someone I greatly love and greatly admire gave me a suggestion. Uh, She said, why don't you spend the first two minutes sort of summarizing the story and where we're at in the story in your own words so that people get a picture of like where this particular story in the lectionary falls 
in the main story. All right, so I'm gonna do that, and we're gonna do that in less than two minutes. Ready? Here we go. So this story is found in Genesis 22, but to understand that, we need to understand how Genesis is laid out. So the first 11 chapters of Genesis are kind of seen as a prelude to the main story which starts with Abraham. So there's the creation in the garden in Genesis 1 and 2. There's jealousy, sin, and murder in Genesis 3 through 5 when uh, Abel is murdered by Cain. There's wickedness in all of humanity and the flood with Noah in Genesis 6 through 9. And then there's widespread pride in the Tower of Babel and people are scattered in Genesis 10 and 11. And then in Genesis 12, we see the story of Abraham's start. And God says this in Genesis 12. This is really the beginning of the story. I will make of you, Abraham, a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. That's Genesis 12 too. That's how the story starts. And so whatever else the story of Abram or Abraham is going to be, it's about God creating a people who will be a blessing to the world. Okay, so there's 20 years. Then as we've learned in the last couple of weeks, uh, 20 years, Sarai and Abram, they can't get pregnant. So they take Hagar, they use her body to get a son named Ishmael. Then they finally have Isaac, who is the firstborn son of this new nation of people who will bless the world. And so things are looking great, at least from one perspective. And that's the backstory about where we get to this story. Sound good? Okay, so I want to give you a real quick summary in my own words, of what's happening in this story. So we're in about 1900 BCE, and God decides inexplicably, all of a sudden, right in the middle of nowhere, Genesis 22, God decides to test Abraham by telling him to take his son Isaac, the one he loves, and offer him as a burnt sacrifice. Now remember, this is the son they've been waiting for for 20 years. This is the son that God has provided, even though Abram and Sarai were very, very old, too old to have children in the first place. And so it should you should be going like, what is happening here? So Abraham and Isaac take the materials for the burnt offering. They take the wood, they take some rope, they take a knife, they walk for three days into the wilderness, and then they finally see the place where the sacrifice should be. They build an altar, they put the wood on top of the altar, then Abraham puts Isaac, his only son, the one he loves, on top of the altar, ties him down, raises a knife to kill him when he hears an angel of the Lord say, wait, wait, Abraham, don't kill your son. And then he sees a ram that's caught in the thicket. So he unties Isaac. He takes him off. They put the ram on. They sacrifice the ram as the burnt offering and they walk away. Isaac was not killed. Abraham um, 
is tested. Apparently, he passes the test. Then Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide the place of the sacrifice. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. All right. So you should have a ton of questions, right? Why in the world is this story even in the scriptures? It sounds to me to paint a picture of a God that like you would run from. What kind of God would would instruct a father who loves his son to sacrifice that son in order to pass some kind of an odd divine test? It just sounds awful, doesn't it? I mean, come on. So I want to read to you the first two verses again of Genesis 22. After these things, God tested Abraham. Verse 2 of Genesis 22, he said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt sacrifice, burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. Now, those are the first two verses. I want to share with you a nugget that's going to, I hope, help us unlock this whole story. The nugget is this. In Genesis 22, when the word love is mentioned, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, this is the very first time that the word love is ever mentioned in the scriptures. The first time. It's not in creation. It's not in the garden. It's it's not about people that, you know, were God created. It is the first time that, that the word love is mentioned is in this weird, bizarre story about sacrifice. So that's something to just put in the back of your mind. So I want to ask the first all play question. Okay, it's been hanging in your mind ever since maybe you heard this story a few minutes ago. The first all play question is this. Why do you think God decides to test Abraham? Why do you think God decides to test Abraham? Use the comment section on the Facebook watch party to give your answers. Okay, friends, wish I could have seen the answers, but I do need to say I love interacting with the answers. Like as I'm watching the service live in real time, I mean, that's one of the benefits of doing it the way we're doing it. I really like that. I like seeing the answers and responding back and forth. So why, why does God decide to test Abraham? I think there's several views we need to look at. View number one, maybe uh, God tests Abraham to see if Abraham will prove that he loves God more than he loves Isaac, okay? Now, uh, this passage tells us that Abraham loves his only son Isaac, but it doesn't tell us if he loves God. Okay, so that's a fair question. So it might make sense that God wants to know if I'm going to make this nation out of this father named Abraham, I want to know if Abraham really loves me. And so what better way to find out than if he's willing to go all the way, if he's really willing to prove that he loves God by sacrificing his son. I mean, if he really is willing to sacrifice his son, then, you know, maybe then he, he would be willing to, you know, do whatever it takes to be that kind of a leader, to lead the kind of a nation that would be a blessing to the world. 
Now, um, I, I do want to point out, though, that this kind of this line of thinking that you have to prove your love for God by giving up that which you love is familiar to some of us, right? If you, depending on what kind of Christianity you grew up in, what kind of church you grew up in, um, some of us grew up in a kind of system that the way you prove your love for God is by being willing to give up the things you really enjoy, right? Like stretch denim and People magazine, right? Or maybe even your suburban house, right? If you give up those things, those things that feel comfortable, those things that feel like a luxury, those things that you really enjoy. And I say stretch denim and People magazine, tongue in cheek. Of course, there are many other things that would be much harder to give up. Um, so that would be one way that you'd prove that you loved God, right? By giving up those things that you really, really enjoy, that you really, really like. Um, is that tracking for anybody? Like, does that make sense for anybody? Did anybody grow up in that kind of a system where maybe it was explicit or maybe it was implicit, but the way that you were going to prove that you really loved God is by giving up those things that are comfortable or those things that are extra, those things that you really like. But another way of proving your love for God is by being 100% willing to do things that feel bad or scary or things that you know you really don't want to do, right? The classic thing. Now, this is proving my age. I'm turning 50 this year. But the classic thing when I was growing up is that you know, that God would invite you to move to Africa to be a missionary. And and you just always had it in the back of your mind that that might happen, even though, like, I, to I never wanted that. I never wanted to do that. But you, but it was sort of implicit in the religious system in which I grew up that that was going to be, that was going to happen. Like if you really didn't want God to send you to Africa as a missionary, that's what exactly what God would do. <laughs> Am I tracking it with anybody? Like that's exact, that's how you would prove your love for God. And that's the kind of God that God was. God would pick that thing that you didn't want to do, that thing that you were most scared of, and that's the thing you would have to do, right? Um, so like, um, and, and this even gets to some scary stuff. Like I've talked to people who believe that God wanted them to stay with an abusive husband, even though that husband was abusive, in order to really prove that they could um, that they really loved God more and that they could withstand. They could, they could, and, and that's just, man, now we're getting into territory that feels dangerous, right? So I want to ask this all play question. What are some things growing up that, or now even, that you felt like you've had to give up or to be willing to do in order to prove your love for God, right? So what are the things, either currently or um, or back in the day that you had to prove your love for God by either being willing to do or being willing to give up. So use the comments in, in the Facebook section in the watch party. Okay, folks, uh, I hope you had <laughs> some fun and I hope some of it felt sort of funny, the things that you came up with, and maybe some of the things felt scary. Like maybe some of the things felt... Um, really like, ooh, that was tough to remember. 
the things that I felt like I had to give up. Maybe it was even like your personal gifts. You know, maybe you were a woman that grew up in a church where men or men only could be leaders and preachers, and you had to sort of give up your gifting of being a preacher or a leader in order to prove your submission or your love for God. And that's, man, that's scary stuff. And so I think, I think it's worth plumbing this a little bit deeper to see why did God test Abraham? Because I think maybe the view that God needed to prove, that Abraham needed to prove his love for God, that maybe that's more cultural than it is something that was really happening. So maybe the second view is this, is, is really more of a question and that we might scratch our heads and say, well, wait a minute, if, if God tested Abraham, do we know what a test means? Like, so the view number two is, wait, wait a minute, what, what's a test? Now, thankfully, um, one of the things that Midrash teaches us, Midrash's way of looking at the Bible through the lens of many different layers and hints. So one of the hints is the word test. So we might say, well, when is the word test used in scripture? It's also used and even defined in Deuteronomy 8 too. So this is super helpful. So that very same word for test in the Hebrew is found in Deuteronomy 8 too. And it says this, God led the children of Israel through the wilderness. Now this is later in the story, but to humble and test them, here, here's the definition, in order to see what was in their hearts. So in this sense, a test in the Bible given by God is not pass-fail. It's not something that's designed to get someone's approval or not, or to say, well, you made it or not. It's simply there to show what is inside of you so that it can come out so you can see it, right? In order to see what was in their hearts. Now, the, the motivations, the deep things that are in my heart I have a hard time really seeing that, right? And so it's actually a gift when I experience something that enables that motivations, those hidden motivations to come out, right? So a test from God in this sense is not a pass-fail experience. It's designed to reveal what's already inside of you, right? Like stuff you didn't know was there, good stuff, bad stuff. A test brings reality out into the open so that you can deal with it. And in that way, it's a really big gift, even if it feels difficult. Uh, can I get an amen on that, right? And I know that some of you have experienced that, like even this year, where certain pain or certain experiences have pushed you to the edge of your even ability to handle it, and, and then something came out and maybe something came out that looked really, really beautiful and good, or maybe it came out and it looked oof, like not so good, but regardless, you got to see it. And when you can see something for really what it is, then you have the opportunity to deal with it as it really is. And I think this is a great gift, right? So if this test of Abraham wasn't pass fail, if, there, if it was simply designed to bring what was in his heart out, then we have to ask the question, well, what was in Abraham's heart that was revealed in this story as he lifted up that knife, okay? So I think this leads us to our third view. 
And this is also a question. So if the first view is, well, maybe Abraham needed to prove that he loved God more than his son. And maybe if view number two is like, well, wait a minute, if we're going to understand this story, we need to understand what a test is. Maybe view number three is another question. Wait a minute. What kind of God is Yahweh? So if we're going to ask the question, what kind of a test is Yahweh giving? Then we need to ask, wait a minute, what kind of a God is Yahweh? So the prevailing cultural view of gods in the Bronze Age, again, this is about 1900 BCE, is that the gods require sacrifice in order to provide blessing for people. It's a transactional view of God, whether it be crops or fertility or any number of things. The prevailing view of the gods in this time was that if you wanted the blessing of the gods, the gods are angry and you need to appease them by offering sacrifices. There's all kinds of different sacrifices that you might offer in order to get the blessing from God. Okay, so it's not all that unfamiliar of an idea that uh, God might require a sacrifice, even a sacrifice that is so intense that would require the the your firstborn son. I mean, that sounds utterly unbelievable to us. Like, how could we even imagine that? And I get that. And yet at the time, it's interesting because you need to ask the question like, Abraham just does it. Abraham just goes. Now, this is the son that he loves, the son of promise, the son that's going to be the blessing that like the beginning of a whole new nation of people. And so uh, th there's lots of questions here. And so when Abraham raised that knife to kill his only son, the son that he loved, here's my big what if. If this was the test to reveal what was inside of him, what if what was revealed to be in Abraham's heart was that he believed Yahweh was a God just like all the other gods who required a sacrifice in order to have that blessing? What if what was revealed is that Abraham didn't really know Yahweh, who Yahweh really was? And what if he thought Yahweh was just like all the other gods who were required a sacrifice. And what if in this story, Yahweh wanted to show Abraham once and for all that he wasn't like all the other gods, that he wasn't a transactional God, that he wasn't a quid pro quo kind of God, that he didn't operate on the scarcity model that you needed to sacrifice something that you loved in order to prove your love for God, or that you needed to be willing to do something that you hated in order to prove your love for God. What if this story, you guys, in the Bronze Age in 2000 BCE is trying to tell us something radical that even back in these times and even back in 1900 BCE, that the love of Yahweh is not transactional and never has been transactional? What if this story is trying to tell Abraham, that the love of God is not withheld when we do the wrong thing or lavished on us only when we finally do 
the right thing. The, the ram that's caught in the thicket is the surprising moment when you realize that God's love is all grace. It's all a gift. It's all a surprising way of understanding that the God that I thought required all kinds of sacrifice and all kinds of me proving my love for God, that that is not the God that is revealed in this odd, bizarre, peculiar, weird story of sacrifice. What if God wanted Abraham to take his belief in this sacrificial view of the gods all the way to the end to see, oh my gosh, the God that I believe in, the God that called me to leave my native land and go to a place where I will show you, the God that told me that my children will be a blessing for all the world, that God is not transactional. That is the God that, that doesn't ask me to provide a sacrifice. That is the God that will provide. Amen? Oh my gosh, you guys. So um, the end of this story. Then Abraham saw a ram caught in the thicket, so he took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. You guys, I think this is what this story is about, even in the Bronze Age. It is this radical, hugely, uh, like, radical, crazy picture of a God that isn't what you expected. Romans 5.8 says this, For God demonstrated his love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, climb out of weird substitutionary atonement theories that you might even get whiffs of there and climb into the reality that this God is the God that provides, even while we were still far off. This is the God that searches for us. Even when we were doing nothing right, this is the God that blesses us. Even when we were doing everything wrong, this is the God that shows God's love for us in this. While we were still far off, Christ drew near to us. Now, this is good news, you guys. This is the good news of the gospel, that there is nothing you can earn to get God's love, there is no thing that you could do to uh, remove God's love from you. And there is nothing, there's no scratching and clawing or earning. God's love, if this story about the sacrifice is about love, it's about the kind of love that would take us all the way to the end of our faulty view of God, our faulty picture of God that would make us prove God's love and would initiate a new view of God that would reveal to us a new view of the God who is who provides for us when we uh, had no way to provide for ourselves. To me, this is why I'm still in it. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscove.org.